Good morning. It is a great joy to be here with you this morning. Um, it's a day that I promise you that my good friend Sam Smith fears. Because I have known the man for 27 years. And I have so many stories that I could share with you that if I were to share them, you would run him out today. But because I am his good friend and his brother in Christ, I will not do that. But I will honor him and I will thank God for his friendship. And I'm thankful that the Lord has called him here uh, to your church. Um, if you would uh, bear with me before we read the text, I will. I would love to introduce my family, my lovely bride. Uh, Courtney is not here. She is in San Diego. Uh, her brother is an actor, and so her and her father went to see him there. But I do have three young men with me. Uh, my sons, James, Graham, and Elliot Duke. Uh, they're sitting there with the uh, Smiths. If you all want to stand up, let them see how handsome you are, and let them see. Come on. Come on. Stand. There you go. Good. Um, and now you may sit down, but uh, <laughs> your mother is not here, but I have good view of you, and I can see you, and I will call you out uh, if you misbehave. Um, this, is, uh, this day is to be uh, to the glory and the exaltation of Christ, and to God our Father, and to the Holy Spirit. If you would, in our church, what we do is we stand for the reading of the scriptures, Uh, The passage we will look at this morning is from Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. If you would stand and hear now and pay attention to the Word of God. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord is forever. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the enduring nature of your word. We thank you that you have not left us to our own devices to try to figure you out. You've given us a faithful testimony of who you are, though not exhaustively, and yet thoroughly you tell us who we are. You show us in the scripture our fallen condition. You show us in the scripture the gospel. You show us in your word, Jesus, who loves to redeem the ugly. And so we pray this morning, O Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you would be here among us and that you would... Help us to hear your word, that we would understand it, and that it would change us because of who you are and because of the power of your word, which cannot fail. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. So I will confess to you this morning, as um, I confess, we, we are a church plant um, in, in Prattville of about six years, so it's encouraging to me to come to this church and to see 
what was a church plant not too long ago. My, my own sons ask quite often, Dad, when will we be... Uh, it's interesting, my middle son longs to be in a church with pews again. It's kind of funny. But, Dad, when will we be there? I said, just be patient, boys. It will happen. Um, I'm in the habit of telling my own congregation that when I do not sleep well, that two things could happen. There will either be a lot of humor or there will be a lot of tears. Sometimes it's both. I did not sleep well last night at Sam's home. Let me, let me tell you why. Yes. Uh, I don't know who arranged their room, but the beds are situated so that the blinds that are there, that are metal blinds, every time I moved or every time one of my sons moved, the blinds would just make this awful racket. And so I was just awoken several times during the night. Now, I will not embarrass my friend Sam, but I will tell you about one of his cats. And I thought about this. uh, I've thought about it a number of times, and I've used it as an illustration a number of times. You've never heard it. But they had a cat who, um, and my family, my wife had two cats. Uh, I married into cats. And uh, But when I went to Yazoo City to visit Sam and Jody one uh, weekend, uh, he asked, he said, do you have a problem with cats? No, not at all. Cats are fine. And so I went and I spent the night there and I stayed in one of the uh, children's bedroom. And somewhere in the middle of the night, I woke, uh, I was awakened by a cat licking the top of my head. Okay, shoo the cat away, you know, go away, you know. And so the cat went away and minutes later came back and started licking my head again, grooming me. Shoot it away, and I thought, well, okay, surely it, by the tone of my voice, will know to stay away. It came back a third time to groom me again and lick my head. So I decided in my sleep that I would just wait this cat out, and so I did. I thought, well, surely it will get tired of licking my head. It did not. The cat licked my head for a long time, and then finally I shoot him out and I shut the door. I do not uh, sleep well away from home. We know what it's like to be away from home. This is the condition of those lepers. They were away from home. They were outside of their city. So very briefly, and I do have to be brief, I want us to look at this passage and think about what we can learn from this passage, how we can see ourselves, how we can see others, and how we can see Jesus and his love for us and for others. Luke tells us uh, that Jesus is traveling and he's somewhere uh, between Samaria and Jerusalem. Uh, that route uh, was about 100, 100 miles from north to south. There were two routes that you could go uh, to get between Jerusalem and Galilee. One was um, you would cross over and it would be traveled by those devout Jews that did not want to go into Samaria. They could take that route. Or the other route, which was more common, went through Samaria. Most people could travel about 20 miles a day by foot. Um, D.A. Carson tells us that after the Assyrians captured Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom in Israel, in 722, they departed, uh, they deported all the Israelites of substance and settled the land with foreigners who intermarried with the surviving Israelites and adhered to some form of ancient religion. And you can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 17 18. After the exile of the southern kingdom in Babylon, Jews returning to their homeland viewed the Samaritans not only as children of political rebels, but also as racial half-breeds whose religion was tainted by various unacceptable elements. So for this reason, and for many others, any good devout Jew would avoid going through Samaria. 
But note that Luke tells us in verse 11 that they are traveling through Samaria, which would geographically geographically suggest that they were going uh, not the traditional route of a good, devout Jew, but the other. Intentionally, God, sovereignly, Jesus traveling through the land. Jesus, thankfully, had no problem with Samaritans. We see in verse 12 that he's greeted by these ten lepers. And you think about it, what a way to greet people into your town, right? The diseased people, the, uh, the unloved people, perhaps the unlovely people, the CDC of Samaria, they're serving as the welcome wagon, right, as they're coming into town. But yet, this was exactly something that you would expect to see in those days, as lepers were called to live outside of the city, outside of the camp. Because they were leprous and because they were ceremonially uncleaned, they were called to be there. Again, Luke tells us in verse 12 that they stood at a distance. And in this condition, again, they were legally bound to live outside of the city. Leviticus 13, I'll read it quickly. You can write it down if you'd like. Leviticus 13 tells us why. The leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And so here were these men who were encountered by Jesus and longing to be encountered by Jesus. Leprosy oftentimes, though not always, it was considered a judgment of God. When people had sinned, they would be cursed by God with the disease of leprosy. Not the leprosy that we understand today, but various skin diseases. You understand or maybe remember the story of Uzziah, who died, a very prideful king, who went in and did a thing that should not have been done, assuming the role of priest going into the temple and was cursed with that terrible disease and died outside of the camp, sequestered in his own home. But notice here in Luke's Gospel that these men are crying out instead of the ceremonial, unclean, unclean, perhaps they had already done so. These men are crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they're followers of Christ, right? They recognize that this is Jesus, this is the Messiah. Well, perhaps so, but probably not. Obviously, Jesus' fame and his reputation had preceded him. He had already done miraculous things. People knew of this man who would do wondrous miracles. His fame had spread. How they recognized him, we're not told. Luke doesn't tell us. But these men, in great desperation, refer to this one coming into town saying, Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation and master Perhaps a call of desperation. Could this be him? Could this be the one that people have spoken of? Could it be? If so, have mercy on us. Look at Jesus' response in verse 14. We see that he doesn't simply proclaim that they are healed in response. He doesn't touch them as he does others. He commands them to go. And as they go, Luke tells us, as they go, they are healed. Not instantaneously. And you can imagine that if they had known that this was Jesus who healed people and that it was able to cause men who were born blind or people that had been crippled since birth to dance with their mom for the very first time, then surely at the command of his voice he could say, be clean and it would be done. But Luke tells us that 
as they went, they were healed. We don't know how long that process was. We don't know how far that distance was. But I could imagine, and this is just my own thought, I could imagine if I were in that group of ten, perhaps you could imagine the same. Well, great. He told us to go and do what everybody else has told us to do, to go and to show ourselves to the priest. Why couldn't he just do it now? Perhaps their thoughts paralleled that of a man named Naaman. You may recall he was a great military leader. And he, though he was a great leader, we read of in 2 Kings chapter 5. Turn there with me if you would. This will be a a long quote. I'd like you to read along with me. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 is where we'll start. 2 Kings 5. Um, He was a great leader, a man who had been stricken with leprosy himself. Maybe their response was similar to that of his. We read at verse 1. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go. And the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. This letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Verse 7, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? Elisha. When a man, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger ahead of him to say, Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Verse 11, But Naaman went away, went away angry and said, I thought that the name of the Lord, his God, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Paphar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and he went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored. And he became clean like that of a young boy. Now, why do I take the pain to read that long section from the Old Testament? It's because if you're truly going to be cleansed from any disease, the main disease that we struggle with of sin is to be done God's way. It's to be done according to God's word. And the way that he prescribes that we are to go, we are wise in following. 
these men, perhaps, again, perhaps grumbling like Naaman did, perhaps thinking, why did he not cleanse us immediately? And yet we find Christ, in his dispensing of grace and healing, was doing everything in accordance with the law, as he should. And they went, and we see in verse 15, that they were indeed cleansed. What's the response of one? Look at verse 15. One of them, we're told, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. I believe this is the point of the, of the story. I believe this is the reason why Luke, God through the Holy Spirit, through Luke, had him pen these very words, was to see that this one who was a half-breed, this one that religiously, according to uh, custom, would tell us that he was so far away from the people of Israel. He had not been doing things right. He was from a mixed race. And yet, this one was a Samaritan, came, and we see that he falls, throws himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanks him. Is this not the response of God's people? Should this not be the response of God's people? You may have heard the story. It's been told of a, of a church where a young lady had come to Christ from a very, very broken situation, perhaps like many in this room today. And because of the burden of her sin being lifted by Christ and being salved by the gospel... One morning during worship, she was serving on a, not a choir, but a praise team. She began to weep openly. This was in a Reformed Presbyterian church. She began to weep openly and crying. It made everyone, many within the congregation, uncomfortable. The pastor walked over, seeing the, the discomfort between the body that was there and this woman. He came and he put his arm around her and he said, If you understood... If you understood what Mary has been redeemed from, you too would be weeping and praising God with her. See, the real issue, our real issue that keeps us outside of the camp, obviously, is our sin. And Jesus loves to redeem the ugly. He loves to redeem those that are not. So the Samaritan returned to praise God in verse 15, we're told. Were he truly a man of God, perhaps those that were upstanding Jews that were a part of the ten, maybe they would say, were he really going to do this right, he would do as Jesus said, go and show himself to the priest. But maybe could it be that this man recognized that Jesus was the final priest, the final prophet, the final king, and in doing so, he was returning rightly to the one that had healed him. And we see that there's no rebuke from Jesus. Because he knew that this man had been given not only a clean bill of health, but a new nature, a new heart, new eyes to see, new ears to hear, that Christ truly is God bringing salvation to all who will call upon him by faith, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. I'm, I'm a, it's in the bulletin, and I'm not putting a plug in for the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. It's a great denomination. A number of years ago, our moderator 
the theme for that um, year, that assembly, was the free offer of the gospel. It's our heritage. It's your heritage. Uh, as the ARP and PCA, it's, it's our heritage that the gospel is to be offered freely to all. The question is, is it appropriate in the Arcturator Creed, is it appropriate that we are to tell people that they are to repent of their sin in order to come to Christ? Our heritage says no. Our heritage, and this, this may be offensive to some, I don't know, but our heritage says we freely offer the gospel. And we say, if you will believe in Christ, if you will but cry out to him, Jesus, have mercy on me. If he wills, he will. We can't get cleaned up enough to come to Christ. We can't put off enough to come to Christ. He gives us that new nature. He gives us that gift of salvation, that gift of faith, so that we might lovingly respond in worship. Jesus, in verse 17, he asks the question, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Notice Jesus also equating himself with God, not rebuking the man for falling down in worship and adoration at his feet. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus knew where the other nine had gone. Jesus knew what was in the heart of a man. Jesus knew, perhaps, he knew, I do not know, what their thoughts were. Maybe they were going back to the law. Maybe they were still looking to the law to redeem them and to save them. I don't know. But I do know this. The law saves no one. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He has satisfied the law completely. For those of us that look to him and ask that he would redeem us by grace. And so we're cleansed by faith in Christ just as this man was cleansed of his leprosy. We are cleansed of our sins through the blood of Christ. And Jesus would say to us, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Sinclair Ferguson, he writes, speaking on the purpose of the law in life, he says, My brethren, we need in our ministries to labor to some of our people some of the time, if not in every situation, all of the time. At least in some places, some of the time, we need to labor in our exposition of the fact that the law is not a means to salvation, but the law is the gracious way in which our salvation takes us. It is the moral shape that, sh- that salvation takes The law is not a motor car to heaven, an automobile to heaven. It is in and of itself and separated from grace, lacking an engine, lacking an oil, lacking in petrol, lacking in gas, lacking in wheels, lacking in road. But it is in the hand of God a map for those who have already been energized by the power of the Spirit to set out before them those glorious signposts that point to the celestial city. For those who are traveling in the triumphal chariot of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the pastor of the gospel, is the man who sits as a map reader with the law of God in his hand and leads his people in the way of perfect righteousness through the grace of God in the giving of the law. 
And so what could we learn from this passage? Well, there are many things we could learn. I'll share with you a few. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus sovereignly purposed in his heart to go through Samaria, knowing that he would encounter the ugly, knowing that he would encounter the leper, knowing that he would meet the woman at the well. He loves sinners. If we are to be as Christ, and I believe that that is the goal for all of us, right? That we would become more and more like Christ in the way that we live, in the way that we think, though not perfectly, in the way that we walk. So from this passage, what can we learn? Well, I believe that it would call us, if we are followers of Christ, that we follow him through Samaria. Now, I am very um, encouraged. I've talked with Sam a number of times about this church. Why did he come here? (laughs) What was it that drew him to your church? And it's because of your heart. It's because of your heart for mission. Sam, I hope it's okay that I've let your cat out of the bag. It's because of your heart for those that are broken. For those that do not know Christ. For those that are outside of the camp. For those that are not a part of these walls. That you have a desire to reach young families for Christ. That you have a desire to reach those in this area. For their good. And for the glory of God. And so we, like Christ, though we are not given the ability to see men's hearts as Jesus did, we can, like Christ, put ourselves in places where the broken are. I don't know where that is here, but you do. And I want to encourage you to walk through Samaria. I want to encourage you to walk through Samaria offering not yourself, offering not your gifts and the amenities of this beautiful church. And it is beautiful. I can see that you love Jesus through your architecture. But that you would offer them the gospel. Freely. What would this church look like? Who would be the first person? Perhaps they're already here. Lower your collar. Who has the tattoo on their neck? Anyone? Raise your hand if you say, I have a tattoo on my neck. Okay, none? When will that day come? How will you respond? How how will you respond when that man or that woman or that young man comes to, to worship here and to fall down and worship at the feet of Jesus? I believe that it will be glorious. And if you are, as you have presented yourself to be, to my dear friend Sam, God will be glorified in this church. God will be glorified in this community. God will be glorified. We have to intentionally put ourselves in Samaria, intentionally put ourselves in places where the broken live. I'll share a story and then I'll be done. So this is your pastor. And I will honor him. If you want to know some dirt on him, sit next to me at lunchtime. (laughs) Sam and I met in college. And uh, we were young we were um, we were all thrust and no vector. Uh, 
<laughs> we, uh, we loved Jesus. Because we have both been profoundly touched by the gospel. Now, I hope that you will not be disappointed to hear this, but I can remember um, nights of prayer. You would not be disappointed in that, where we would, with our good friend, Matt Ball, stay up at night, praying through the night, praying for our lives, praying for our wives, praying for our children, praying for this desire that we had in our bellies to preach the gospel. Times that, that Sam and Matt would go and um, outside of the city of Montgomery, I'd never heard of the term, but there are people, they're called lumpers. You ever heard this term? A lumper. I didn't know it. A lumper is one that sits on the corner and they wait for an 18-wheeler to come by that needs to have their truck unloaded. And a lumper is one you just hire on the spot and say, hey, let's unload the truck. And a lumper gets on the truck and they go and they do their work and they're done. Could we be with my friends Sam and Matt early on in our ministries, not ordained, not trained, all thrust, no vector, loving Jesus. This is the part that I hope you won't be disappointed in. Our great theological debate one night surrounding the idea of, is it wrong? Is it wrong to buy a man a beer in order that we might continue to share Christ with him? As Sam and Matt would go into pool halls and share the gospel. And, and knowing that this man's desire for alcohol and beer were greater than hearing the gospel. <laughs> and seeing your pastor, my friend, wrestle with that. Is it okay? Yeah, I believe it is. We must walk through Samaria. We must look for the broken. To become like Christ means to love the things that He loves more and more. And to despise the things that He despises. May we be about that. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank You for Your Word. Though we have barely even looked at it today, um, we thank you that you love sinners. We thank you that the call is to us. That we have heard that call. Many of us in this room have heard that call to repent and to, to believe in Jesus, to trust in him, to come to him, that we might be cleansed of our sin. Father, we all bear our scars. We all bear our tattoos of life and our brokenness of the past. And it's because of this, Lord, that we want to find those that are still outside of the camp, those that are still huddled together, longing to be cleansed, wanting their condition to be changed. And though, Father, we know that we can't win all. And our theology teaches us that not all will come to Christ. But, Father, you are pleased to use our message, our our works in communities to bring people to Christ. And so, Father, that's my prayer. My prayer is that by your grace you would continue that work of sanctification in us and that you would move in the hearts of these men and women to do even better, even greater works than those that I've heard. And, Father, that you would cause this congregation 
Not because of who they are, not because of who Sam is, but because of who you are and because of the power of your word, Father, that you would cause this congregation to grow and that there would be those that would have tremendous testimony of change because you are alive and you are well and because you love to redeem the ugly in Christ. And so, Father, we trust you to do that. We thank you for loving us and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.